Wonderful. We've got a message today. The message today is, hey church, we have resurrection life. Anybody here a Christian, somebody who believes in Jesus? Just put up your hand if that's true about you. Hey, you're the church. You have resurrection life, and we have resurrection life together. And we were uh, seeing Jesus act that out for a couple of brothers as they went into the waters of baptism, which in places in Scripture really symbolizes joining Jesus in his death and then coming out of the water clean and renewed, symbolizing joining Jesus in his resurrection life that hasn't ended. The oldest man in the world, not Methuselah. It's actually Jesus. He's about 2,030 years old right now. He had about three days off, two, three days off, but then took it up again. Awesome. So we're going to just look at some scriptures and be just enjoying and worshiping the Lord that we have resurrection life. And my main scripture this morning is this, from 2 Corinthians 5.17. This is the Apostle Paul writing about his ministry and what it means to be a Christian. He says, For the love of Christ controls us, because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. And he who died for all that though, and sorry, and he died for all that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who, for their sake, died and was raised. So, in summary, this is our basic conviction. Because Jesus died, that whole world came to an end. And now we know that Jesus died so that everybody who comes to believe in him dies with him and gets to rise with him. And this is this is the call for everybody. Everybody needs to die because Jesus died. But you need to die in such a way that you come back to eternal life, which is dying in Christ through faith in him. And then he says, from now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh, meaning just how the world looks at people. We regard no one according to wokeness and their intersectionality. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. And this is our great faith. If anyone is in Christ, behold, they're the new creation. And so I'm going to leapfrog off of this to talk about what we have in resurrection life. And I've got a lot more excitement than um, logical progression this morning, and so I hope you'll bear with me, and I'm going to pray. Holy Spirit, come, give us grace together. Would you give all these listeners grace to hear the Word of God and to be impacted by what you are doing, and help me to be a good servant for your glory. Amen. We have a resurrection life, which means we have a new life, we have a new family, we have a new spirit, and we have a new hope. And there's a billion other new things that I could talk about here, but I just want to focus on four perspectives of a resurrection life. We have a new life, we have a new family, we have a new spirit, and we have a new hope. We have a new life. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ... Actually, like in the Greek, it's a, he, doesn't, it, he didn't say the he is part. It just says, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. And what the Apostle Paul is doing here is he's riffing off of the end of the book of Isaiah. Maybe I'll read it. 
this morning. So the Christians of these times had the book of Isaiah. The Jews at this time had been studying the book of Isaiah for somewhere around five to six hundred years. And they would have been very familiar with this prophecy at the end of the book of Isaiah, where Isaiah is prophesying about God fixing things. I accept, challenge accepted, forces of darkness. For behold, this is what Isaiah says. This is the Lord speaking through Isaiah. For behold, I create new heavens and a new earth. The former things shall not be remembered or come into mind, but be glad and rejoice forever in that which I create. For behold, I create Jerusalem to be a joy and her people to be a gladness. And so they had this prophecy about a new heavens and a new creation that was coming. And I don't know how they were imagining it's happening or even what you might imagine the end times being and Jesus returning and making all things new. But Paul is kind of breaking their expectations a little bit. Because if they were thinking the new heavens and the new earth was all just going to be like this big heavenly bulldozer coming out of the sky and just kind of running into the planet and leveling it and then dragging behind it a new sphere where everything's awesome, he said that's that's not how it's starting. That's not how the new heavens and the new earth are starting. Instead, God has decided to send it in pieces. The new heavens and the new earth are starting one person at a time by everybody who comes to Christ. The new heavens and the new earth, the big restoration, the big fix, isn't just happening at one day at 22-22-22. So February 22nd, 22-22-22. That's my prediction. Not going to be around here to find out how wrong I am, but you know, you heard it here first, folks. Just kidding. We don't know the time and the date. How many times do we have to be reminded? Jesus said, he didn't even know the time and the date, but whatever. Sells books. It's not all going to happen at once. The new heavens and the new earth is coming to this earth one person at a time. By whoever believes in Jesus. If anyone is in Christ, the new creation is here. Someone has been born again. Someone has had heaven invade their hearts and now saturate their body. And yes, we're still stuck with these old bodies that fall apart faster than we wish. But we have a new spirit and a new heart and a new soul and a new mind. And we are the temple of the living God. And we are the start of the new creation. Amen? So this means a few things. It means wherever you go, you're God's breacher. Oh, sorry, I really did hurt my shoulders last week with all that stuff. Thanks for Daryl for asking how, how I was feeling. I'm, I, I am working out more so that I don't hurt myself during worship as much as I have been. A breacher is somebody on like a police team or a military team. It's their job to knock in the door. So all the guys with the guns and the M16s, when they need to get into a house that's full of the baddies, there's one person whose job it is to smash the door in so everybody else can come in. And that's us. When somebody says, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, they say, breach into this domain of darkness that I'm experiencing here, 
the battering ram is often the new heavens and the new earth, which is us. Because we're the start of heaven come down. Spirit-filled Christians are the start of heaven come down. Amen? So you have a new life. And the old gets to pass away. Abner, our brother, up here, saying, I've got a lot of old. And I would encourage you to get to know Abner. He's a wonderful guy. I I shared this before, during all the shutdowns and the lockdowns, Abner would sometimes just kind of magically appear in my office. I actually thought he might be an angel for a few months because he would just appear and say something encouraging and then disappear. (laughs) And, And you blessed me. And so I am blessed by you. But he's got old. And that's not who you are anymore, Abner. Your memories aren't you. You are a new creation in Christ. And that's true for all of us. Our old isn't us anymore. And we're, we're in this overlap time. Like that time where they tell you, the masks are all going to be gone on March 15th. And you're like... What's the difference between then and now? Exactly. But okay. You know, I've made a commitment. Wearing a mask. Till the 15th. Going to do it, personally. But you're in this overlap time where the promise has been given but not yet fulfilled. And we already are the new creation, but we're not everything we're going to be when Jesus comes and finalizes the new creation. But we have access to everything it means to be in Christ now. But plus sufferings. That's what's not coming with us when Jesus returns. Amen? They're here now and they serve a purpose. But they're not coming with us. But we're bringing this new life we have now in Christ into forever. I feel like I got out of step with my clicks. We have a new family. Here I'm going to the book of Revelations here. I'm going to turn around and read this. Forgive me if this looks rude. This is from the scene where John is seeing heaven singing its praise and worship to the risen king. And we see this scene, it says, And when he had taken the scroll, this is Christ taking the scroll, which symbolizes the Father's plan for the the invasion of heaven into the earth through Jesus Christ. He has the scroll of the will of God that he's going to open up and succeed in accomplishing it says, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb, each holding a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song, saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain. And by your blood, you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. And this is the plan for the new creation to invade, bringing new creation life and resurrection life into multiple individuals, but from every kind of person. And this is crazy, like because there has been a lot of stuff about people groups in the last few years, eh? Even somehow, nobody saw this coming. The unvaccinated became a people group. Nobody saw that coming. Nobody. I mean, what a wild world to live in where there's like Scottish and Mennonite and then there's like vaxxed, unvaxxed. They became a people group and we're going to be around the throne. 
and the vaxxed. Whatever. Who cares? But the plan, this is the miracle of Jesus, is that he's found a way to make one family out of every family. And one tribe out of every tribe. And one people that includes every people. And so how I imagine it is there's going to be this great family gathering at the end of time when Jesus has returned. And he's going to go through every kind of people group that he has some people from. And there's going to be a day where he's going to say something like, sorry to put you on the spot again, where are my Cree brothers and sisters? And all the Cree who have been born again are going to stand. And Jesus is going to say, there you are. And you're going to say, they're going to say, thank you, Creator, for making us and saving us. What an honor and a glory to be together at your throne. And he's going to say, I'm so glad you're here. And let me tell all creation your acts of faith and love towards me that I want to praise before my Father and God. And all the other tribes of the world are going to be grateful and cheer and welcome. And we'll say, and I'll be part of that like Scottish contingent that forgets they're Scottish. Scottish people have no commitment to their past whatsoever. It's really weird. (laughs) Me and the Scots and the Menos and the English and the Africans and the Koreans and the Chinese are all going to say, you Cree are our brothers and sisters in Christ. And we are the one true family, all of us different tribes and tongues. And the gospel will say, the gospel has done it. I've never been more Scottish. And I've never been more one with every other people group that isn't Scottish. Gathered around the throne by the blood of Jesus. And this is the church. This is this new family where you get to be your people and you're totally one with all the other peoples. Because you're one with Christ. With one spirit and one baptism and one book and one Father and God overall. And still yourself with your own tribe and your own tongue, but together, but yourself. The new creation, completely one with God and exactly who you were always meant to be. That's crazy. This stuff, and thinking about this stuff just makes me so, uh, I don't want to use the word frustrated because I, it just, shows how shallow some of the efforts are to try to pull off something like this without Jesus. We have a new spirit. There are such things as spirits. The Bible talks about it. We don't talk about it a lot because we're a really technological age and the belief in the spirit world became really unpopular sometime in the 1800s. And that's okay, but it's still real. And at the very least, before we were in Christ, our spirit was dead in its sin. But now we're in Christ, we get the living spirit, the Holy Spirit, who actually makes our spirits alive in him. And when the day of Pentecost happened, all those years ago, when the church was kind of born as a spirit-filled church, this was the prophecy. 
fulfilled on the day of Pentecost. This is Peter quoting Joel. Somebody will need to correct me on that if I'm wrong. And in the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, on your sons and on your daughters, and they shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my male servants and my female servants in those days I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the day of the Lord comes, the great and magnificent day. And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And this is our time. If you put up your hand that you were a Christian before, guess what? You are meant to be really filled with the Spirit. This is supposed to be happening with us, with you. We're supposed to have faith for this. We're supposed to normalize this. Doesn't this sound exciting? Blood! (laughs) If you wonder. Darkness! Smoke. The kind of stuff we're willing to pay $45 to go to a movie theater to watch on CGI. I'm kind of joking. But this is the truth. The church is meant to be on an adventure in the spirit. With the spirit doing kind of interesting things regularly in our lives. Amen? With you being able to do things you couldn't do if you weren't a Christian. Amen? And this is, this is our part of our life. This is part of the resurrection life. And this is the difference between like, uh, what, what would you call it? Like, program church or the resurrection life kind of thing, right? Like, cause you can gather people and you can run through the motions. And sometimes that becomes very safe and predictable. And that's, that's, that's okay. I don't mind predictable. I wish I could predict what the gas prices were going to be next week. You know what I mean? I would just say, let's split the difference at just a dollar. A dollar. Yeah, exactly. Let's, let's go park some trucks in front of something until we get that. <laughs> Sorry, I'm off. There is so much stuff that's not predictable. Sometimes you want something that's predictable. However, the reality is this. We are the new creation. We are the new family. And the new family is able to do things that our dad does. Our new, the new family is able to do things that big brother Jesus did. And yes, it's going to be different. And no, it's not a comparison thing. And nobody is better for being able to pull any of this stuff off. It's like Master Blaster, if you know what that is. It's like, we're the small guy. Don't get cocky. But... Our expectation ought to be a spirit-filled existence with evidence of the life of God coming out of us. Not as like a shaming thing if it's not happening, but we need this. We're going through blood and fire and vapor and smoke and darkness and moon to blood. Do you want to go through this with your pockets empty of spiritual help? Or do you want to go through this in the power of the Holy Spirit as it is meant to be for the children of God? This is normal 
resurrection life, to be filled and flowing in the Holy Spirit. And we're going to need to have lots of grace for each other, and we're going to need to you know, get some input from the Scripture about how this ought to look, because the enemy does have counterfeit spiritual experiences, but we can figure this all out in love if we try. However, isn't anybody just like Spirit of God the answer for the truth on the f- over and over and over again? And we need to have eyes fixed on the future, I think. Where I'm not preaching Prairie Fire 2.0. Amen? I'm not talking Bethel Del Nord. I'm talking whatever God wants to do here now. In the post-COVID Canada world. Something that is as old as Pentecost, but is new for us today. That kind of thing that only Jesus can do, where you're like, this is exactly what you're like, God, and it's different than anything before. But exactly the same. Because it's still God and it's still the church, but we never knew you. Let's have faith. This is now. And all I'm trying to say is, let's have faith. This is us. This is us. This is us. This is us. This is who we are. Ah, just... All anxiety about the Holy Spirit. Punt! Punt! Get out of my church! All judgmentalism about the Holy Spirit. And feeling... Triggered if somebody says, are you sure that was the Spirit? Out! We're doing this in truth and love. The Holy Spirit never came so that we could have a superior attitude against our brothers and sisters. Oh my God, close the show. He is liquid humility. Get vaccinated with that every four months to save your life. Get low. Let's get so low. Let's just get so low. Let's make it so that God has to bring a shovel to church to dig us out of the ground so he can raise us up because we're low. Nothing to prove. But why don't we just start asking God to fill us with the Spirit before church so we have something to give when we show up here? Why don't we evaluate church by like, oh man, like sometimes I talk with somebody like, well, how was church today? It, it stunk because I didn't get to bless anybody. Right? This, you're listening here is not meant to be the best part of our gathering. It's if you grab somebody and, and improve their walk with Jesus with your love. That's meant to be the best part of a Sunday morning. Because you like it. Okay. <laughs> Somebody think to himself, give that man some notes. <laughs> He's gone crazy. It's, which is really funny because in Second in Corinthians, right before that, where I started quoting, he actually says, if we seem out of our minds, it is for your sake. So I read that this morning and I think, okay, it's not unapostolic to seem out of your mind sometimes. <laughs> Maybe it's a sign of Christian maturity. I'm willing to take that gamble. I like those odds. Never tell me the odds. And we have a new hope. This is the famous Great Commission that Elmer quoted earlier. 
Jesus finding his disciples after he's been raised from the dead. And it says, when they saw him, meaning the disciples, they worshipped him, which we did today, but some doubted. Some of us may be doing that today. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them, that's what we did, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, Abner and Braden, fulfilling Scripture in our midst this morning, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Now, this is our hope, our sure hope. The gospel of Jesus is going to every people group. It is going to happen. We don't know the details. And we don't know what kind of adventures we're going to get to have along the way. But we do know that this gospel is going to make disciples from all nations. That's why Jesus said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. So that he can say yes to us when we go about to do this business. No matter who's saying no. This is going to happen. This is our hope. Someone from every people group is going to become a Christian. Yay! It's going to work. Okay? It's going to work. It's working and it's going to work. I was thinking this morning, you know, anybody been discouraged lately? Okay, we're the church. We were 120-ish people hiding in a room 2,000 years ago. And now we're more than that, hiding in a church in Steinbach. On the other side of the planet, with maybe over a billion living brothers and sisters. The sun never sets on the church. The church has already hundreds of languages worshiping Jesus today, maybe more. There's still like another thousand to go. But it's, it's working. Guys, ladies and gentlemen of the jury, I present to you evidence. You are evidence that the gospel is working. Amen? So let's have hope for our generation. I don't know if this is up for me, but I've been thinking about this movement called 50 plus 1. This is the hope that someday soon, 50% of all Canadians will be going to a spirit-filled church on a Sunday morning. Oh, did I just say something that you couldn't imagine? That half of all Canadians would want to go to a believing church once a week? Because we think that God can't do it? Right? <laughs> I'm just poking on my own unbelief thing there. It's not fair to God after all he's done for us to think there's anything he can't do. It's just not fair anymore. You're already the new creation. You're already filled with the Holy Spirit. You're already the church on the other side of the planet from where this all started. It's not fair to God for us to bring any unbelief into his presence anymore. For what he can do if we know who we are and live with our resurrection life. Amen?